0: Market Insight and Analysis. You're listening to the opening bell of CNBC's Squawk on the
2: Street.
1: Good Thursday morning. Welcome to Squawk on the Street. I'm Carl Kington with Jim Kramer and David Faber. The world and American business uh, reacts today to one of the darkest days in the history of our democracy. Future is resilient, uh, but more important this morning, we'll talk about how U.S. assets and corporate leaders will adjust to yesterday's assault. Our roadmap begins with the historic moment for American democracy. Congress confirms Joe Biden as president-elect after a Trump-fueled mob invades the U.S. Capitol.
0: Capitol Hill is quiet this morning. And as you see and just saw, futures are higher as well after yesterday's violence. Wall Street is eyeing new records, which, of course, begs the question, at what point is the trigger for stability in stocks? And as for specific company stocks, well, Twitter's one of them. Uh, some research this morning on a lot of different companies. Those shares are under pressure. After it and other social media companies temporarily lock President Trump's accounts and remove some of his posts as well. Carl.
1: Uh, Jim, uh, I'm most interested to know uh, which story you're more focused on, the behavior of assets in the wake of yesterday or the way in which corporate leaders and American companies are going, to help, are going to have to help address what happened yesterday.
2: Uh, I think the corporate leaders uh, matters the most. I think that business has become one of the great forces for social change, and, and business uh, has offered a, a plea for unity and also condemnation. It, it's hard to focus on stocks. Look, it's what I do. I mean, I get very early I focus on stocks, but I mean, I watch what everybody else watched, and I, I think that uh, – it, it, it sickened me. I, I, don't, I have been thinking, of course, about historical precedents. It's almost like you don't want to go that way because it's just so demonstrably negative. Uh, I want to think forward. I want to think about unity. I want to see who is in favor of unity, which may make some judgments uh, on people who obviously are divisive. Uh, but, David, I'm sure, it, as you know, it's the confluence of stocks making money, helping money is something. We're on CNBC, but it's rough. It's rough after yesterday.
0: It is. You know, Jim, we've been getting the question, though, for quite a long period of time. I know you have and I have. Carl, I'm sure, has as well, which is, well, there's a pandemic raging in the country. People are dying at uh, rates we've never seen. uh, What, 3,600 a day. Um, There are millions of people uh, who don't have jobs, uh, who are on food lines, and yet the stock market is hitting new highs. And, and now you're getting the same question, which is, how are the two so divorced? Are democracy and these scenes that we saw play out yesterday potentially in peril, certainly at a low point, a recent low point, uh, and yet the stock market continues to power higher? They seem completely, it seems completely divorced from other
2: realities. Well, I think that you need sellers to knock a market down. And we just don't have a lot of sellers. We'll have these reflation trade in and out rotations. But I think one of the things we learned, Carl, in the last, uh, let's say, decade, is that you buy stocks at the beginning of the year because you need to invest. Uh, You need to you're going to retire one day. You got your kids going to college. These are the things that are causing the steady Increase in prices because we really have no other place to go. Now, some people say, therefore, what you're really saying, Jim, is the Fed. What I'm saying is, is the corporations themselves. In the same way that the tech leaders reacted to capital riots and others do, uh, the the managers kind of know how to handle this. So we're not so uh, happy with the way the government may be, but the managers just continue to offer good, very good products. They continue to buy back stock. They continue to raise dividends. Uh, They continue to pay attention to shareholders as they'd never have. And in the case of tech, uh, tech is actually needed because of what David said about the pandemic, uh, which we cannot avoid. It's terrible to see what we saw in the capital. But the pandemic, it it, it took something like that to overshadow the pandemic, Carl, because, man, uh, as someone who just got just ended my quarantine, it, it is frightening out there.
1: Yeah. Uh, Jim, your point about uh, corporate leaders' response is remarkable, and we're trying to take stock of what a lot of corporate leaders have said. Tim Cook, for example, saying that those involved in yesterday's assault on the Capitol uh, need to be held to account. The National Association of Manufacturers suggesting that Vice President Pence should explore the 25th Amendment. Uh, Al Kelly telling his own employees, according to the Journal, that yesterday was one of the darkest days in the country's 245 years. But to your point... A lot of American companies are used to dealing with countries where there is political instability, and you have to believe that, to some degree, they will bring that intelligence
2: home. What a great point. Uh, you never thought, of course, you'd have to apply that to the United States, but it isn't like uh, most of these companies haven't dealt with Venezuela. Jeez. Uh, David, do you know what I just did? What? I put us in the same sense as Venezuela. Yeah. And without being facetious, <laughs> no. without being comical— but I this was a, a kind of a, a lesser developed country situation where not unlike say Ecuador where they were able to overthrow the government by going to the state house I mean by going to the president's house it, it is confusing David to see we know that the government wasn't going to be overthrown at the same time we know that our political leaders have a game plan for political instability I, I, but it's not as important as the corporate leaders who seem to have a better game plan uh, is David our corporations just better at dealing with confusion and chaos than political leaders, who many of whom seem craven or af- afraid? Uh, it's a great question.
0: It's an interesting point, And it's certainly one that I think has come to the fore over these last few years where, and you made this point earlier, uh, where we've seen corporate America step up and step in to avoid where typically the federal government would have taken the lead whether that's efforts towards uh, diversity, whether it's efforts on the environment uh, or any number of other areas that, again, you know, we've relied on the federal government to deal with. But corporations, pushed largely by their shareholders, let's not forget that, have decided it is in their interest to take a more firm stance on some of these things. Now, again, under a Biden administration, and by the way, let's not forget, with a democratically controlled Senate and House, because that kind of got lost a bit yesterday, Ossoff won, <laughs> um, maybe that changes. But, you know, maybe it doesn't. Maybe it's here to stay. The same way that ESG is a way to look at,
2: at, at, through, uh, at investments, a lens through which is not going away. Well, Jim? It's really interesting. I hadn't thought of that. It's a great insight, David. And, uh, Carl, the... CEOs are response responsive to the shareholders. Uh, the politicians are responsible. They're responsive, of course, to their voters. Uh, if the voters do things that are out of sync with what the founding fathers wanted or, say, a Lincoln some, uh, father wanted, uh, the politicians feel the need, I think, to be out of sync with what the founding fathers or the history of our country is. But the CEOs are uh, very much into, attuned to what their shareholders won. In many cases, the shareholders are very much at odds with 74 million people uh, who voted for President Trump.
1: Uh, mm-hmm. And it'll be a difficult uh, needle to thread, uh, Jim. Uh, I, I did notice this morning, high frequency economics said that we do expect this episode uh, can and will affect investor sentiment uh, about uh, U.S. securities. And City. although we're going to be very sensitive today about uh, various street-side or uh, sell-side calls, but city does take U.S. Uh, to neutral uh, versus other global markets.
2: Well, I, I think that that's short-sighted. I think that what the executives have done in this country is so remarkable uh, that to put their work aside because of what uh, people who climbed the steps of the Capitol have done or the, uh, the schism in the country is wrong, particularly because I think that the watchword for all of us, I think all of us, both sides, is how do we get to more unity? not to how we do we get to more divisiveness. And uh, whether someone's in the White House who promotes unity, such as uh, President-elect Biden, or one who I think provo- uh, really provokes uh, divisiveness, it would mean that if the divisive person had won, I get that. I totally get what City wants to do. But if a person who wants to unite our great country comes in, I don't get why you would downgrade. I think you would upgrade.
1: Guys, of course, it was an eventful overnight in Congress as that final electoral count happened about 3.30 in the morning. Eamon Javers has more on what happened while we were all asleep. Hey, Eamon.
3: Yeah, Carl, what happened yesterday was the Constitution and the democratic process came under violent attack at the U.S. Capitol uh, from a group of Trump loyalists who stormed the building. But in the day, in the end of the day, both the Constitution and the democratic process held fast as the Senate and the House of Representatives continued their joint session after the floor of the House and Senate had been stormed overnight by those Trump loyalists. They continued to count the Electoral College votes uh, right after they reentered the, the joint session and resumed the count. Vice President Mike Pence, who was presiding over the entire affair as the president of the Senate, uh, had these words to say about what had happened last night and what might happen to come. Take a listen.
4: To those who wreaked havoc in our Capitol today, you did not win. Violence never wins. Freedom wins. And this is still the people's house.
3: hours later, the vice president certified his own defeat uh, and signified that Joe Biden and Kamala Harris will be the next president and vice president of the United States. That makes the electoral vote count official and over moments after the vice president declared that we saw a tweet from dan scavino the white house social media director the president of the united states has been banned from twitter for inciting violence so this tweet comes from the social media director's account in the name of the president saying even though i totally disagree with the outcome of the election and the facts bear me out nevertheless There will be an orderly transition on January 20th. I have always said we would continue our fight to ensure that only legal votes were counted. While this represents the end of the greatest first term in presidential history, it's only the beginning of our fight to make America great again. And we should say, Carl, that uh, because we did not see the president issue this statement, he did not issue a press release around it, we, we can't say for sure that the president authorized that or even saw that tweet before it went out from Dan Scavino. You would assume assume that Scavino would not put out such a tweet without the president's blessing, but we just don't know. And we haven't seen the president issue a, a statement to the country uh, on camera. Uh, today uh, or late yesterday in the wake of this violence. We saw the president issue uh, some tweets. Uh, We saw they released a video. He hasn't taken questions. He hasn't issued an address to the nation. We'll wait to see how the president handles this throughout the day today. The next thing we're expecting in terms of the chronology is a press conference from the Speaker of the House that is expected at 1 p.m. And we'll see where we go throughout the day today as Washington tries to pick up the pieces, Carl. Yeah,
1: amen. Uh, Mick Mulvaney said we have to also make that same assumption that those are the president's thoughts. And we'll talk more about big tech's move uh, yesterday. We'll check in with uh, Jim, also talk about uh, overall election risk, something we have been talking about for several weeks. And we'll talk to Andy Card this morning, of course, former White House chief of staff about the chaos in Washington, the Biden transition and a lot more. Futures are positive. Don't go away. Our next guest served as White House Chief of Staff under President George W. Bush, who called yesterday's Capitol Hill attacks an attack on our democracy. Joining us this morning is Andy Card. Andy, really appreciate your time on what's obviously a difficult day. Thank you.
4: I, I am thrilled to be with you. I'm very troubled about what happened yesterday, but I'm optimistic that America is going to rally and start polishing our
1: democracy. I was going to ask you right now, as you read it, was, is, was yesterday an aberrant event that uh, will be self-corrected and denounced, or in some ways did the country change forever on Wednesday?
4: I pray that it will be denounced, and we will all work together to make sure that uh, we're the best example of how a democracy can work, because the world is watching us. And if we don't do it right, bad things or even worse things will happen in other countries around the world. So yesterday was a sad day for democracy but I'm hoping it's a wake-up call to everybody else in America so that we can work together. When I first got involved in politics, the rug of American politics had more rug than fringe. Today, there's more fringe than rug. You really can't govern well without standing on the rug. So help find the, the rug to stand on and give people permission to bring their views to the debate, but have the courage to stand over the rug of compromise and getting things done.
1: Obviously, a big part of our discussion today is the role of American business. Uh, I wonder how you think they play this. We've seen them get more vocal over the last couple of years. But where does it leave them in donating to areas that were traditionally Republican, uh, supporting ideas that were traditionally Republican? uh, And and where does that leave them? How how much of a pivot do they have to make?
4: Well, I think the, the core of the Republican Party is still a good core. I, I do think Donald Trump kind of stole the Republican Party and abused it and used it, and or maybe he used and abused. At any rate, you know, there are some phenomenal Republican leaders out there that understand the difference. I thought Mitt Romney and Lindsey Graham did a great job last night. Mitch McConnell did a wonderful job. But you also can look at our governors, like Charlie Baker in Massachusetts, Chris Sununu in New Hampshire, for example. They're they're doing the right things, and Republicans had a phenomenal victory in, in the elections last November, even though Donald Trump highlighted his beat. The truth is, Republicans did very well in state legislature races all around the country, gubernatorial races, so the party is still strong, its ideals and principles are important but we just can't attack the institutions of democracy the way it happened yesterday. And I was grateful for the commentary from President George W. Bush. And I'm also grateful that the Senate and the House last night stepped up and did their constitutional responsibility. We have a president-elect who will be taking the office of the presidency on noontime on January 20th. And that should be good for the marketplace, good for business, but I do say, you know, we're still going to have kind of a divided government because uh, I know what it's like to be in the executive branch when the Senate is tied. I watched Jim Jeffords switch parties from Republican to Democrat in 2001, and that meant I went from negotiating with Republican chairs of committees to Democrat chairs of committees in the Senate. And it was very difficult, a challenge, but we got through it and our democracy work, and I think we can do it today. So if I were a businessman, I would say I understand it's going to be hard to get things done. Hard to get things done isn't necessarily bad as long as everybody is working in good faith. And I think
2: we can get people to work in much better faith than they did for the last six months. Uh, Andy, good to see you. I haven't seen you since my old Cudlow and Kramer days. Uh, Thank you. Let me ask you, uh, if you wanted to approach what is needed to have unity to go forward, what would you do? And I mention this because 74 million people voted for President Trump. A a very surprising number of representatives in the House yesterday felt that they did not, should not certify these results. Some senators did. Uh, There seems to be, I can't think of one, maybe you've got it, a way to unify the nation. I'm not asking for an end of political discussion. But I do think that yesterday we got to the point, we have to recognize we have two nations. How do you bring together two nations? Only once in our country has that ever happened, obviously, and that is in 1865.
4: Well, I pray that we do not fall into the trap of 1864 and 65. But instead, we work to, number one, respect the nature of our democracy and respect the different views in our democracy. Joe Biden won a phenomenal victory for president of the United States. 306 electoral college votes, which were cast yesterday, counted and certified. And and then obviously a phenomenal number of people who showed up to the polls to vote from. He had a record number of people voting for him for president of the United States. The record for the second most number of people voting for a presidential candidate actually was Donald Trump in this election. So we should be celebrating that on November of last year, a record number of people participated in our democracy, and both candidates got more votes than anybody running for president had ever received before. So both sides should respect that. I'm praying that President-elect Biden and his team will respect that 74 million people plus voted for Donald Trump, which is a huge vote. And Obviously, Joe Biden got many more votes than that. I hope that they learn to respect each other. I'm asking Republicans that were on the losing side to respect the results of the election and celebrate the number of people who showed up to vote for Republicans in that election. We actually did very well at the state and local level uh, as Republican candidates didn't do well at the national
0: level. Uh, Mr. Carter, earlier this morning on another network, you were asked a question um, about who will be the leader of the Republican Party these next four years. You couldn't answer the question. I could understand why you might not be able to. Oh, watching, I
4: suggested a few names. I, I, yeah.
0: I, well, but watching Mitt Romney last night shoot daggers into the back of Josh Hawley as he was up speaking. I mean, you can see the two sides here. What happens to your party? Uh, which side? Where does it go from here? Given what seems to be the division there, and obviously the great influence still that President Trump is going to have over it,
4: well, I think it's our party is going to be challenged it's going to be challenged we've got to find our center of gravity and recognize where it is, and it, yes, we have to understand what the fringe is saying and what their concerns are, but we've got to invite people to be part of the solution, which means give permission to compromise give permission not to compromise your values, but compromise on the technical details of governing. And we can do it. Take a look at what's happening in the states. A lot of states are very well run with Republican leadership. And if you start your way up the ladder in politics, going from local government to state government to the national level, then you understand the obligations of leadership and compromise and listening. I think we've got to get back to the point where we can say, I respect your opinions. I don't agree with them, but I want you to teach me more. There must be a good reason why you are where you are. And I'd like you to listen to me describe where I am and why I'm there myself. And maybe we can find that there's more common ground that we should acknowledge and stand on rather than pretend that we're in complete separate universes. That's what I would recommend doing. But I do think it's going to be a battle. I don't think there is going to be one leader of the Republican Party emerging in the short future. I think it's going to be a lot of people auditioning for it. And yes, we'll see how they're doing. And we've got to get through this pandemic. Number one, we've got to get through this inauguration. Let's we're going to have a new president. Let's rally behind him, maybe not agreeing with all of his policies, but let's help him find the tools necessary to govern with confidence. We want him to govern with confidence and include us in the process. Don't be a dictator, don't be an autocrat, don't be a kleptom. Heptocracy, do it the right way the world is watching the second thing is pay attention to what's happening in the pandemic we have a raging pandemic literally more people are dying in this country than have died in this country in its history almost it's unbelievable how yes yes and we've got to get there so give our government a chance to work Demonstrate real cooperation between the local level, the state level, and the federal level, and all three of those levels of government are working together to deliver the vaccine, to take care of the people, and get us back on an economic foundation that we can stand on. And yes, people need help. Be empathetic, sympathetic, and do it.
1: Andy Card. uh, Conversation will continue, hopefully, with you in the coming weeks and months. Thank you. Appreciate it very much. much. We'll take a break here.
4: Polish the democracy.
1: Futures are green, uh, close to the highs of the session.
0: Welcome back. I want to get uh, a bit on the market here as we get ready for trading. Of course, three minutes from now, Jim, you know, we've seen an amazing move in the banks, uh, lesser in but also noticeable in my area, sort of the old media companies, Fox, Viacom, Discovery have had huge moves in three days. But let's start with the banks. I mean, Goldman Sachs is up eight percent. Morgan Stanley, seven percent.
2: Wells Fargo, eight percent in three trading days. Yes. And the financial tech stocks, which for the longest time have been the refuge Are under pressure. Uh, They've moved up greatly and people seem to want risk of banks. Now, I would come back and say, is it risk of banks or are people looking for value? And there's not much value left. Uh, People seem to be running toward the industrials, the transports. Those are very, very expensive levels. I've never seen them. But you've got banks that are still selling it. 14, 12, 10 times earnings. Uh, if you think the net interest income uh, is going to start expanding, if you look at the way interest rates traded, if you think there is a so-called reflation and there's going to be a lot more money in people's pockets, you could argue that perhaps these are the stocks to own. Now, David, the one thing I'd point out is, is that what, should they have been the stocks to own six months ago? Right. All of this was predictable, I believe. So, again, I find these moves. Uh, I don't want People to be uh, buffaloed by them. Uh, when you buy a stock, like we own in charitable trust. We Goldman Sachs. Bought it in the, at 200. Well, it, it just it just rallied a level almost fifty percent. Now, David, nothing has really happened at Goldman. It is just a perception yes. that maybe Goldman's worth more than it was. And I don't tend to like that kind of buying. Well, that gets back to the
0: ideas: is it sustainable? Uh, and if so, that is the question, I guess. Can can you know at the end of this year are we going to be talking about the significant rally overall in the financials?
2: Well, there's no reason to believe that the changes in Washington have anything that's good to say. Uh, we discussed Senator Warren yesterday, not a fan of the banks. Uh, I think that the numbers will matter immensely. I, I don't think stocks sell off on numbers as much as we thought. but. This is a new uh, level of price. Now, we were back here for Bank of America. JP Morgan was very high. Uh, Goldman Sachs, Morgan Stanley, they've changed their models so I could see that they could be worth more. Uh, but if the stocks don't digest, uh, David, they're, uh, let's just say they're not uh, the value that they represented uh, even three months ago.
0: Yeah. Well, Carl, financials, along with any number of other sectors that have seen significant moves higher these first three trading days, will be a focus as we get ready for the opening bell.
1: Yeah, no question about that, guys, as we watch uh, Brett fill in. Multiple upgrades today for JPM, as Jim was just referring to, Jeffries and B of A. Although, Jim, uh, a fairly steady diet, if this if this were a normal day, of, uh, of downgrades, including... Uh, some of the supermarkets out of Barclays, some of the defense names out of Baird, another one for Coke today. I think that makes it three
2: this week alone. The, the Coke, they keep referring to the, uh, this IRS decision, which, by the way, again, was should have been factored in. It it, it happened before. It's being used as an excuse by analysts who, I think, very much don't even want to offend the excellent management of Coca-Cola, so they pin it on the IRS. Look, this is entirely part of the reflation trade. I mean, there's nobody who thinks that you're going to get stimulus, 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 and you should buy the stock of Coca-Cola. I can add uh, but it's easy to add PepsiCo. The one that I think is most interesting is we had a downgrade of 3M today Mm. in Bank of America, and that one is about the change of the guard in the uh, Senate, because, David, uh, there's been lingering uh, water contamination stories about 3M that are true under a uh, uh, President Trump. Uh, now, 74 million people listen to me clearly and the people who voted for Trump. that was just less important. OK, yes. um, it, if you make it more important, then suddenly it's going to squeeze the price during multiple. And I think that the. Uh, that the Senate is going to make it more important. No, you're talking about PFAS. It's something we've asked uh, Mike
0: Roman about, of course, the CEO of 3M in the past, because it's a potential and significant liability for the company. And to the note that you're referencing, uh, the analyst simply says they believe Democratic control, the relevant Senate committee, and the environmental protection. Uh, agency, will accelerate legislation and regulation around PFAS contamination. Negative headlines and incremental lawsuits associated with legislative and EPA actions likely to drive derating of 3M shares. and they downgraded to an underperform.
2: Yeah, otherwise, of course, given the cohort, it would be screaming. It's got China, which mm-hmm. people like. It's got lots of industrials. It's got auto. Uh, I, it is handicapped. Uh, now, is this, the lo- is this, David, the love canal of Occidental? Uh, no. no. Uh, and I think Mike Roman has done a lot of good things. But I think there's a recognition that if there is a change in Washington, it is about the support for the plug powers of the world. Uh, support for alternative energy, uh, Tesla again, a nice uh, uh, upgrade of Tesla, even though it seems almost facetious, but it's true. Uh, and a downgrade of companies that have uh, despoiled the environment, uh, including companies that continue to generate a lot of methane. So that's a big change in Washington now that the Republicans have lost control. Of Without state. a doubt. And something we kind of lost
0: sight of a bit yesterday as the day wore on and, and the lead for uh Ossoff grew and finally was called uh, that race. So uh, unexpectedly, perhaps, certainly if you'd asked people a month ago or even a few weeks ago that the Democrats would pick up both seats in the Senate. I don't think that that was an odds on favorite, but it occurred. And Democrats will have control uh, of the House, the Senate and the White House. By the way, Jim, you saw plug power. It's up 25 or so percent. Uh, They have a deal with SK Group. Yes. Um, one of the leading, as they call it, South Korean business groups. They, were forming, they are forming a strategic partnership to accelerate hydrogen as an alternative energy source uh, in Asian markets. They have entered a definitive agreement for SK to make a $1.5 billion strategic investment in plug power and a plan to form a joint venture in South Korea.
2: This is so important because what it says, Carl, this is something I've been focused on endlessly, is that countries are making a big bet. On hydrogen, Why? Because if you do green hydrogen, it literally does not impact the environment at all. Uh, South Korea has put uh, a very definitive goal reaching $40 billion. In tw- uh, they want a hydrogen economy, they call it, $40 billion by 2040. This is a way to jumpstart that. I, I, I have uh, Andy Marshall tonight from Plug. I've been uh, recommending this stock in, for a long time. Why? Um, because I think that this is the, if you can get the price down, the rival to electric, maybe even better, because we still, when we electric, we plug into a system that is still uh, not largely coal based like it used to, but has a chunk of coal and certainly has natural gas. So I think that hydrogen is a fuel of the future right now. Lindy, which is the one of the biggest, if not the biggest producer of hydrogen, Carl, uh, says it's too expensive. But South Korea says so what? Up 30 percent. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of shorts in the name, too, by the way.
1: Interesting. Yeah, Jim, no, you've been advocating hydrogen for, for quite some time. Uh, i writing a lot of that of increase in yep. the shares.
2: Love the yeah. sense of fuel. Um,
1: social media, of course, there's two big stories. One of, is the suspension of the president's account on Twitter and Facebook, Instagram uh, and Snap. The other is this negative catalyst call, Jim, on Twitter out of City, in which they reference – Concerns about DAUs, uh, they say it could suggest a repeat of Q3 when we all remember shares went down 21% in a hurry.
2: Yeah, I read that piece, and it was uh, using third-party analysis Uh, It's the only social media company that is barely up. Uh, Remember, we've had this incredible run in Snap, incredible run in in Pinterest. Uh, Facebook's been treading water, but the Instagram part is still growing. Uh, I hesitate to bet against Twitter for one particular reason. It can still be bought by someone. Uh, David, if you remember, they were kicking around the $30 bid. Now, I think that there is a tremendous amount of advertising still going away from print, still going away from radio, still going away from TV, mm-hmm. going to Roku, conceivably going to, uh, to Twitter. Uh, but not, uh, they don't obviously have it. Jack Dorsey doesn't want to sell. But you get the stock low enough, it's certainly going to be poorly valued versus the rest of the group. Maybe, although that is not the case as we see the performance
0: over the course of a year. Uh, you're right. There was a period where it appeared that, that might even be a likely outcome. Jim, yes. But It seems to have passed. And you get a lot of headaches when you buy Twitter. I mean, let's be honest, just dealing with a lot of different things coming at you that have nothing to do with the bottom line.
2: Right. That's very true. I mean, I think that when if there let's say there were a so-called Warren Commission for what happened yesterday. Would they find, David, that these different media organizations, these social media organizations, not unlike what happened, say, in Egypt, uh, were a principal way to be able to organize.
0: Yeah, I don't know the answer to that. Um, Do you we're want still, to know? We're still also wondering what exactly was going on with the Capitol Police and the inability to control, take control of the building and defend the building. Um, Jim, uh, back to stocks. NVIDIA is a name, of course, that I think you know and, and have been associated with perhaps more than any other name. Maybe AMD. Um, This morning, City uh, says they expect outperformance out of CES. Remember, of course, CES is coming up. It's going to be virtual. But uh, uh, and it's been down 17 percent versus the Sox up 24 percent since early September.
2: And what happened on September 13th, David? I forget what happened. When they announced that they were going to buy arm oh, right the for arm $40 deal. Billion. Right. yesterday, the British authorities said, wait a second. Well, uh, the Chinese I, authorities are even more of a question mark. Right. Now, you know, I am a big believer in NVIDIA, but in the last uh, 48 hours, people who know this industry very well uh, and are very focused on it told me this one could be dead on arrival. It, it could be tough.
0: And by the way, we haven't mentioned it, uh, guys, which is the Alibaba Tencent potential. Oh, I mean, that is... That's uh, if it were to occur. And again, it, it has not yet and it very well may not. But the U.S., the reports were yesterday and the stocks did move yesterday. You can see Alibaba down a bit. Uh, the U.S. officials considering prohibiting Americans from investing in Alibaba yeah. and Tencent. These are the two largest right. Chinese companies, of right. course, you know, one point three trillion dollars in market value. Jim, that is just a different set of circumstances than ones we've been dealing with in terms of Chinese telecommunications companies that nobody's ever heard of.
2: No, this would be the equivalent if there weren't so much going on, whether it be what happened in Washington, the pandemic. This is the equivalent of financial war, David. You're taking uh, a company, Alibaba, that is one of the world's largest and deciding, you know what, we're closing off China. Tencent, an amazing company. Now, obviously, there are always uh, people who are going to be cons- saying that these are con- these are companies that are controlled by the PRC. It-, it is a communist country. It's a dictatorship. It's very rare that you have any company that is divorced from that. But this is an amazing moment because you've got the PRC saying, wait a second, Jack Ma lay low because you're talking about freedom. You have uh, United States basically just saying, you know what, we don't want to be a part of the of the. Portion That is the largest economy in the world. Uh, And some people say the United States is. I think that that's in dispute since the pandemic has been cured there for the most part, not in our country. But I got to tell you, David, I saw that and I said, wow, a lame duck president basically cutting us off, whether you hate them or like them. Alibaba, David, is a major worldwide company.
0: No doubt. And Carl, that would be, I mean, if that were to occur, it would be a seismic shock. (laughs) So many U.S.-based investors own shares of, or the ADRs of, uh, Alibaba here. They own Tencent as well, though it doesn't trade here in the same way. But uh, it would be very significant and something worth keeping, again, a close eye on. And we'll see what the transition of power in, in a couple of weeks means in terms of the approach to China, although there may not be that much difference.
2: Well, David, I mean, do you think that the way to pressure uh, Hong Kong to be Chinese to let go of, uh, of the Hong Kong repression would be to to use a financial uh, to use? To I, I uh, personally
0: I don't know. You were the one who was advocating for no Chinese IPOs. I remember that. Yeah. But We'd would, sit there at the NYC, which was their bread and butter, well, by the way, I, As Chinese company after Chinese company would come public. That to me is also something that, you know, do you really want to go down that road?
2: Well, I, I did suggest that a lot of times I think that I was a uh, harder line than the uh, the Trump administration on what to do with China. didn't want a lot of these companies that were not uh, did not have adequate financials to come here. Right. Uh, Because people were losing so much money. And like one of my jobs is try to help people lose, lose less money. But uh, if they I've always think uh, I've always felt Alibaba is a great company because they look like an American company. David, the financials of Alibaba are every bit to me as uh, open as our uh, Amazon. I don't know if you agree with them, but you've taught me Alibaba. You've taught me. No, you had me sit down with the people who run it. Yeah, yeah. And to me, they were very similar to what we try to have in terms of disclosure here. It's strong disclosure.
0: Strong. Relatively strong, certainly versus many of those other companies right. you reference, where it's much more difficult to get a full understanding of what's going on. Uh, um, Carl, uh, don't want to forget shares of Tesla because we haven't mentioned it. 41 minutes in. And they are up <laughs> right. and up nicely. Uh, and I, I have $745 billion as the market value. That's off fact set. But that may be off. I haven't checked the last queue for what the real number is in terms of shares out. But regardless, it's a very big number.
1: Yeah. Uh, yesterday, one of the first names we mentioned, uh, as you noted, it's taken a little bit longer to get to it. But $789 is going to be an all-time high. Jim, as, uh, as more of the sell side tries to play catch-up, today it's RBC uh, going to 700. billion. And a sector perform, but obviously way late.
2: Right. But I, I want to be kind to Joseph Spack. And this is not my usual you know, nice guy. I don't know who Joseph Spack is. Who's but he? He's the analyst you're talking RBC, about? RBC. But at least yeah. he did it. Uh, you, you know, there's been, this is a very hard sentence for an analyst to write. There is no graceful way to put this other than to say we got Tesla's stock completely wrong. Uh, but how they got it wrong is fascinating. They did not expect that capital would be so easy, to easily, easily, easily available to yeah. the company. And that is not, didn't, didn't, remember we always felt that maybe Netflix was going to run out of money? Yes. Well, that's what happened here. Uh, the, the analysts made a misjudgment, frankly, not on the car, but on the ability for the, this company to raise endless amounts of capital. Right. Uh, so that therefore they can hit a two, uh, 2025 delivery of 1.7 million uh, David, the capitalist markets worked. They were, uh, worked. I mean, but uh, there was a time when raising
0: five billion for Tesla was very dilutive. When you're right. talking about 750 billion dollar market value, raising five, nobody even blinks an eye. No. They could raise five billion in the next ten minutes. Yes. Uh, uh, and so they have unlimited supply of capital, is what you're saying. And for a company in a growth phase, the ability to open plants is relying on that need for capital and. They have as much as they ever could want.
2: Right. I mean, Carl, China was terrific for them. Uh, They're opening a big plant in Austin. I keep thinking about I don't think people understand, unless you spend a lot of time in Germany or your family's from Germany, um, that when they're opening in Berlin, what they're basically saying is BMW and Mercedes, look out. Uh, You didn't develop the EV. We've got it. Uh, And the possibility that they could double the size. I mean, look, there's a there's a Volkswagen plant that I I was in a town recently, but not before the pandemic that employs 52000 people in Puebla, Mexico. They make a ton of Volkswagens. When I listen to what Elon Musk wants to do, he wants to put out as many cars as Volkswagen with 5200 people. And I just think that we have to watch that this man can build a plant in any part of the world and sell a lot of cars, and the, each time we think about what's happening to the stock, we got to remember it ad, got added to the S and P. And I'm not sure everybody bought all the index funds bought the stock uh, at, at mm-hmm. once. Maybe it almost seems like there are index funds that are short the stock per se, meaning they have to cover. And this endless move is allowed Elon Musk to be able to tap. If David's right, I mean, if he wanted five billion, it could be done between now and and. Uh, a uh, uh, squawk alley <laughs>
1: <laughs> would, and it wouldn't be the first time that we'd no. see a five handle just get done like that no. uh guys uh, s&p record high all uh sectors green uh maybe except for utilities and the vix back below 24 let's get to bob asani hey bob
5: Hello, guys. Uh, happy uh, happy Thursday. Uh, yeah, new high, but there's a little bit of bifurcation occurring. This is slightly different than we saw in November, December. Take a look at the sectors. Uh, yes, banks are doing great, of course, on that yield curve steepening. That's the major story there. Tech is back again um, and consumer discretionary strong. But uh, cyclical sectors, the energy industrials are lagging a little bit, along with the defensive groups like consumer staples and utilities. This is a slightly different story than it was in December. We may have a A little bit of a new paradigm uh, developing. Just take a look at the banks, though. I know David mentioned them, but really very impressive moves in the last few days. Remember, the bank index was down about 10%. Uh, in 2020. It was a loser, even though it it has the appearance of coming on strong because we're ending the year strong. But this has been a great couple of days for them. A lot of confusion yesterday. A lot of emails from friends saying, how could the markets be up with all this chaos in Washington? And Bob, whatever happened to the idea that a blue wave is bad for the stock market? Just a lot of cross currents. Important to explain what's moving the markets right now. I Think in terms of the buckets, I call them. The stimulus and the vaccine versus the virus and the taxes that are out there. So the most important thing is the stimulus now because it means more checks in people's hands. It means more infrastructure. It means more aid to local governments uh, overall. That's moving the market. Then you have the vaccine versus the virus. That's going to determine the pace of the recovery. Are we going to get a strong recovery beginning in the second quarter, the third quarter, the fourth quarter? That's the main determinant, and that's a wild card. There's another kind of wild card sitting out there and that's the whole taxes issue Uh, that's been sitting there for a while we have to figure out what's going on with that now everybody says oh you can't raise taxes right now the economy is too weak maybe that's an interesting narrative but capital gains is a different story remember the top tax rate for capital gains right now, top earner rate is 20%. Biden's proposal is to b- prove that the 39% for those making over a million dollars. And you might say, oh, that's nothing. Well, it's not nothing. It is a substantial part of the universe of people that own stocks or wealthy people that make money. They buy the stocks. And the bulk of the capital gains are, intact, are, are in technology. That's why technology was weak yesterday. Now, if you look today, we got a little bit of a bounce back in technology and sort of mega cap stocks. This is where a lot of the capital gains are. And that's an indication that this is not an immediate 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 worry for the market. But if you think about it, well, you might not be able to have a big increase in taxes immediately. Capital gains on rich people, uh, that may generate a lot less controversy. That's what you call low-hanging fruit. And I think that's going to be out there for a while. Meantime, we have to get through the COVID winter. You see some of these announcements today? Bed, bath, and beyond? Not great. Missed on earnings. The guidance, there was no real earnings guidance at all. Flat comp store sales for the current quarter, you know, there's a sign, you know, signs of sales uh, kind of on the weak side, on the retail side, with people not having much in the way of checks. That's why these stimulus discussions are going to be so important. One thing for sure, we're drinking a lot more. Did you see the Constellation report? Beer sales way up. The beer division, David, shipments up 28 percent, 28 percent. And I think that is a new historic high there for Constellation. I'll check that, but it looks like it to me. David, back to you.
0: Thank you, Bob. Drinking more? Hmm. Uh, yeah, I get that one. All right. Still to come, an exclusive interview with T-Mobile CEO Mike Sievert. We're going to get his take on developments in Washington, the C-band auction, although he may be prevented from saying too much. A lot more to talk to him about. First, though, let's get to the Bond Report. And let's give you a look at how treasuries are faring this morning. There it is. You can see the 10-year is above 1%. Heard Jim Paulson at the end of Squawk Box say maybe 2% by the end of this year. 30 are also rising to levels not seen since March. Jobless claims falling slightly. They are still quite high, 787,000. We're going to finish with a look at Eurozone yields moving lower on weaker-than-expected consumer inflation data. As you see the Bund there, 055 for Squawk in the Street. We'll be right back.
5: Well, I think it's important for the business community to make it clear that we are Americans who care about the democratic process. Profit isn't the only thing we care about. We care about our system of democracy working well. I've been very involved in democracy-related matters for quite some time. And to me, it's clear that democracy had a bit of a meltdown yesterday, and we need to fix the
4: system.
1: It's Carlisle's David Rubenstein earlier this morning on Squawk Box. Uh, Jim, sort of raising the issue of to what degree the division we have in this country politically makes itself seen in the pace of investments or the money flow out of private equity.
2: Well, look, I, I think that the... Uh... The markets remain divorced uh, from what David said. Uh, I think, though, what he ma- made a good point, which is that maybe we should investigate what happened with riots on both sides in uh, in the previous in previous year and this year. Really need to know. I-, I would love a commission to figure out what the heck is going on, Carl. I really don't know.
1: Yeah. Mark- uh, markets, for the time being, off of the opening high, Dow's up 80. Don't go anywhere. Take a look at the Dow Gainers this morning. Walgreens uh, did beat on the top and the bottom line. couple of upgrades for J.P. Morgan as well, up 4%. uh, Nearly 137 as Jeffries and B of A upgrade. We're back in a moment.
2: Jim, a couple of big guests tonight on Mad. Yeah, two biggest winners in today's market. Plug Power's Andy Marsh. And then uh, Bill Newlands for the incredible quarter, as Bob uh, mentioned, it for Constellation. We'll also talk pot because they own a big chunk of canopy. So I'm very excited about tonight, even though I understand the circumstances yesterday make it seem very difficult to be excited about anything or agitated about anything other than Washington. But I got to do my job.
1: Uh, That's what we're all trying to do, Jim. And hopefully we can get back to a a, a place where uh, this is the main discussion.
2: We'll see you at 6. Thank you.
1: Of course, Mad Money with Jim Cramer, uh, 6 p.m. Eastern time.
0: You've been listening to the opening hour of CNBC's Squawk on the Street.
4: You seek the key, but first you must learn the ways of precision, craft, and performance with Acura's all-electric ZDX, With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system up to a 313-mile range, and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is their most powerful SUV yet. Unlock the energy when you visit
5: Acura.com to order yours today.